0: As Justin kind of said earlier, we are in the uh, the third week of a of a marriage series that Justin I think it was it gave the, the funny title. Uh, this ain't a love song. A lot of things, uh, especially around marriage and all that, is um, at least at least what's Promoted is very lovey-dovey, and the reality is, we know it's not always that simple, is it? Sometimes things are a little difficult. Sometimes we have things that we go through that um, where are we, well, let's just be honest, we can kind of annoy each other. <laughs> My pastor, in uh, when I was living in Memphis, his wife used to tell him all the time, "Honey, I can't miss you if you don't leave." <laughs> so we and we get it. Sometimes things aren't easy and sometimes things aren't uh, fun, um, but the, the the joy about it is being able to work through some of those things and being on the other side and look back and see what all you've been able to overcome and all the things you've been, you have been through, um, but then to be able to see that God's been good and growth has taken place and, and and things are maybe better today than they were six months ago. And so today, let's talk about money. Anybody excited about that? Now, y'all just proved me wrong. See, here's the deal. On Wednesday, I, I, I got in my, in my office, I, I got an index card, and I wrote what I thought your response was going to be. And that was quiet, dismissive, maybe not even an awkward chuckle. Because when we talk about money, y'all think I'm joking. It's right here. I told David on Thursday I was going to have that. When we talk about money, it's kind of a hot-button issue. It's not something that everybody is really vocal about. Um, it's it's a very personal thing uh, for for some of us. It, it may be the biggest point of contention in our homes. It may be the biggest point of stress in our homes. For some of us, it's just another thing that we've got that we gotta make sure we kind of sort of keep up with. But today we're going to be looking in Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 14, at a parable um, that hopefully is going to help us be able to see. Uh, maybe, maybe something we can learn that has, has a couple, couple things that these guys did, maybe how they acted, the things they said, that hopefully will help us in how we view money and how money impacts our lives. Now, this is a parable. We, if You may have heard it. I'm, I'm sure some of you have heard it plenty of times. A parable, a parable is a story that Jesus told that had a deeper spiritual meaning. And so today, I want to I want to start out by giving you a little bit of what was happening, why this conversation was going on, what the parable is, um, why, why Jesus gave it, and, and sort of what it was about. Because today, instead of diving deeper into that side of it, we're going to look at more of the practical side. What was the story that Jesus told? But it, this all stems if you looked at Matthew 24, I think, in verse 3. Um, there's a discussion of what's going to happen during... When, when when Jesus comes back. At this point he's kind of told them several times, hey, I'm gonna go away from you for a while, but I'm I'm gonna come back. And so there's questions and conversations going on of, hey, so what should we watch for? What should be we, we be careful of? What should we what should we be paying attention to? And this this parable is is told and, and taught because and we're gonna look in it in just a second. It's it's about a guy who goes on a journey. Jesus, and his servants that he's left to take care of things, us. And so we're going to look through this story and and see, really, what, what was he telling? What did these guys do? How did they handle when when their master was away from them and they were anticipating his return— but were responsible for taking care of things until he returned, what'd they do? What were the choices they make? What was sort of their, everything that they decided to, what did they think was important? And so I want us to read together from Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14, the parable of the talents. It says for it, it being the, the kingdom of heaven, when when Jesus returns, for it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability, and then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. And he also, who had the two talents, made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me and gather where I scatter no seed, then you ought to have invested my money in with the bankers, and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten. So let me give you a quick disclaimer. Today is not a, a message about investing. Today is not a message about if God gives you something, if if you like magically do something, then you're going to get double from it. This isn't a story or a message about the bottom line. It's it's really not about the money, and and it's it's referred to as talents. And here, talents was a unit of measurement. It was like a pound. So whenever you think about it, it was um, it, it was say it was it was ten pounds. So they received ten pounds of some some kind of coin or or something. It was a weight of measure. And so we don't exactly know how much they were given because if it was 10 pounds of pure gold, that's going to be worth a little bit more than 10 pounds of pure silver. It's it's kind of that whole little little deal there. But what we do know is they were given a lot of money. Because this was a man who could afford to go on a long journey and had servants at his home who were highly capable enough to oversee his estate. He wasn't handing them a $10 bill and saying, alright, don't, don't mess it up. They were left with a large sum and put in responsibility of overseeing that. So the first thing I want us to see today comes at the very end of verse 14. Somebody tell me, he entrusted to them what? What was that? His wealth. Everybody want to take a half a second and look at that? They entr- he entrusted to them his wealth, his property. Whose? His. Whoa. See, the first thing we've got to do when we start thinking about money and how it impacts us and affects us in our home is we've got to first recognize a few things. And the first thing we have to recognize is whose it is. We have to recognize whose it is. See, the talents were not theirs. The talents were the assets of somebody else that they were just given the responsibility of overseeing to make sure that, and, and make sure that they didn't mess it up. For us, we have to think through, where is the source of what I have? Who is the source of what I have? Not only what the source is, but our mentality behind it. So when we do receive said amount, maybe weekly or every other week or once a month, however, paychecks and different things come in, whenever we get that, what is our mentality of not where it came from, but, you know, kind of what what it's, what it's there for, how we got it. Because for some of us, money is a, a status. And so if we ask ourselves the question, is money to me a status or is money to me a resource, then it changes the whole ballgame of how we actually use it. There's several examples of this all throughout Scripture, but if you looked at Matthew 19, you've got the rich young ruler who comes and says, Jesus, what must I do? What good. Thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And so Jesus says, "Follow the law." He says, "Which law?" And he starts. Jesus starts naming off a list of some of the the Ten Commandments. And when when he gets done, the guy says, "Well, I do all that." And he says, and "Jesus says, well, then if you want to be perfect, go home, sell everything you've got, and give it to every uh, everybody that's in need." Does Jesus? He's not saying there, you're a horrible person if you have money. That story ends with the rich young man walking away sad. Jesus wasn't on him about how much money he had. He was on him about how he viewed what he had. See, if, for, for us, if, we, it, it, fill in the blank from money or whatever else it may be, um, anything that we are so devoted to that if we were standing in front of Jesus and saying, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, get rid of this, even though if we think it's not a bad thing, a sin thing, if we walk away sad, that means it's far more important to us. It's part of our status of who we are. Elevating ourselves to a whole other higher place. If we're not willing to give up something because of what, when, when Jesus tells us to, then obviously, then it's, it's far too important to us than what it should be. It's a heart thing. And so for some of us, we have to examine and and recognize our mentality. Is the money we receive expected because of the hard work I put out and the good job I do or how highly qualified I am? Or is it a blessing? Did I earn it because I'm that good? Or did I earn it because God has blessed me? See, these... These blessings that we have from God, we, we tend to, to categorize those. Probably by the time that we started categorizing which sin was worse than another sin, we also started a whole list of things of what is a real blessing from God and what may not be a full blessing from God. And if it's anything that we can't put our hands on, like, for instance, waking up this morning. You hear people all the time say, you, uh, you, you should thank God every day before you ever your feet ever hit the floor that he woke you up. That's because you've had nothing to do with that. You just kind of woke up. It might have been an alarm. It might have been your natural alarm clock. But you didn't really do anything. You just woke up. So we can't take credit for that. So what do we do? We give credit to God. But if it comes to money or something that we can remotely put our hands on of how we've done something to help us earn it or have it or deserve it, then it goes from being a full blessing from God to God-assisted in. God assisted in me having the resources that I have or getting what I get. So not only do we have to recognize our men, our, the source and our mentality, we have to recognize its purpose. Was it a status? Is it a resource? And if we we're able to shift our perspective, our whole philosophy of money, from I deserve it, I earned it, and I respect to receive it, to money to me is a resource that God has blessed me with. It's much easier to accept that at the end of the day, we are a lot like these servants. It's not ours to begin with. And we have to examine how we manage what has been given to us. See, that's one of the, the biggest things, if you do any kind of study, one of the biggest things of, of the, the stress and the, the struggles in marriage that comes with money is because... We place ownership over it, not even just like the way we've referred to it, but even down to the point of, I make it, I get to choose how to spend it. Or, I make it, and so, you know, I kind of let you have a little bit of some where where you can do something with with a, a little portion of it. But whenever we actually shift our perspective to money is a resource from God that is a full blessing from God, Then even the whole I, you know, I earned it, it's mine, or even going to the point of what's mine is yours, it's, it's not, even mine is yours doesn't work anymore. What's ours is God's. And that shapes the way that we handle it and shapes the way that we view it. The second thing that we can see from this is the the management of it. If you look down at verses 15 through 18, it says, To the one he gave five talents, uh, to another he gave two, to another he gave one, each according to his ability, the way that uh, then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two made two talents more, but he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. The management of our money. We can look at the examples that were set by by these two groups, the the two first guys and then that, that third guy, and we can see that there is a little bit of a difference. And having read earlier the end of the story, we sort of know what their outcome was. But here's the deal. If we were to think about what these guys did, and we're going to use just round figures, easy easy figures today. If we were to think about somebody giving someone $50,000 and saying, turn it into $100,000. Anybody in here own their own business? Yeah, several, several of you have owned your own businesses. How many of you might work for somebody where you manage somebody else's business? That's that's several of us too. If you've ever been given a chunk of money and your responsibility is to double it, you know the amount of hard work that it took to get there. You don't just take $50,000 Go hang out for six months and come back and it's 100. They didn't have 401Ks. The Dow didn't exist at this point. They couldn't stick it in a CD and let it just sit there and, and multiply with you know, high value back. It was, I got to do something with it. It says that they went at once and immediately began to trade for it. They immediately put it to work. They started putting effort into what they were doing They had a plan. I don't know of many people who's ever taken a chunk of money and just went and lived all willy-nilly for like a year and a half and came back and go, my goodness, it doubled. Would you look at that? That doesn't exist. If it did, the world might be a happier place. But it doesn't exist. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes effort. It takes a plan. And that's where it comes back into our marriages. Sitting down. Having a plan. Working through what we have a plan and, and communication, which by the way, if you weren't here last week or didn't hear last week's message, please go back and listen to it. You'll learn so many excellent things about communication and it's going to be vital in order for you to be able to sit down with your spouse and discuss your finances without it being a knockdown drag out by the end of it. So in order to have a plan you gotta think about it, right? you got to actually put some time, some brain power into planning out what you're going to do, thinking through what is best. It also takes communication. When you work with somebody to, to form a plan and follow a plan, then all of a sudden, even without trying, you're naturally making it a teamwork kind of project. We've all heard what a team is. It's a, a group of people that are working together to reach a common goal. So now the one thing that maybe has divided you the most in your home can be the thing that you actually come together and work together to 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 end up at the, the goal that you have set for yourself. I've got a little packet here. I got this last night because yesterday afternoon, when Abby was kind of freaking out a little bit because her plan, our plan, was in her desk drawer at the school. And so we had to leave and and go up there and get it. See, several months ago, it was just, and this is just one of those things that kind of God just works in mysterious ways. Um, Not long before Justin said, hey, why don't you do a topic on this series? Why why not money? That sounds good. About that time was when we had a couple extra bills rolling in that we didn't anticipate um, that were going to be, you know, kind of, some payment plans, uh, and then at the same time, we're kind of finding out, oh, we well, have a child. I don't know if anybody ever bought diapers in the last like 10 years. Those jokers ain't cheap. And so we're going, now, about the time we got to start paying this, we've got a baby on the way. That's a whole another human to feed. And diaper, and if you, you hadn't bought formula before, don't. It'll scare you to death. You'll have nightmares for a week. So we're going, where's all this going to come from? I'm 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 the one that's not any fun about money in our home. Abby can she enjoys life and doesn't stress about it. I'm like crunching numbers with a calculator. But for some reason this is one of those days where she called me freaking out, "Man, what are we going to do?" And I did ask permission before I share this. Some of y'all go, "How do y'all? How do you get Abby to let you know, uh, let you tell some of your stories about y'all? If you listen to them long enough, you're gonna find everyone one of a common denominator. It's me doing or saying something stupid, so it doesn't do anything. It's her. So, she calls me nervous about it and going, "Okay, we to sit down." And so that weekend, my wife got this. This is a calendar. Every month, y'all: February, March, April, May. All the way through the year, this piece of paper right here is color-coded. It's got quadrants. It's got things where you check off once something's done. It's got what bills we get on week one of the month, on week two of the month, week three of the month, week four of the month, and something that just might show up every now and then. This right here is nothing but daycare. Nothing but daycare. If you were to see right here, we have this many left. Because for and until the summertime. And each one of those that's been paid is highlighted, because once it gets paid, it's highlighted. Y'all think I'm joking. Y'all, I paid one, one week. She, she sent me a message, and she said, did you pay the uh, the mortgage payment? And I said, yes. And, and our mortgage payment just so happens to end in 55 cents. And when, I, when she said, how much was it? And I wrote it back without the change on the end, she literally immediately texted me, and she said, are you sure? And I said, no. I wrote it back and added the change and she goes, yeah Ben, those are two different numbers. (laughs) Yes ma'am. I'm sorry for the 55 cents that I left off. But y'all, I'm going to tell you this. This right here. The amount of stress that is reduced just, and this isn't like a Dave Ramsey budget. This is simply just knowing what's coming up What we get and what's got to go out. Does it show up at the first of the month or the end? Having some of those things in place where we know what we can expect, we can plan on what is coming up, removes all sorts of stress. Because when you have a plan like this, there aren't surprises Outside of a car breaking down, there's no bills that show up that you don't anticipate and haven't planned for. There's no time when you open the Regions app and see that, oh, wow, that's not the number that I thought might be in there. It removes the stress and the worry. And these guys did it. They took what had been given to them. They worked hard with it. They had a plan. You don't double your money if you don't have a plan. They worked it. They paid attention to it. They thought about it. And if some of us were to be honest, our plan looked a lot like the third guy, which was really no plan at all. Let's be honest, that guy's plan out and, and the effort that he put into managing what he was given outside of finding the shovel and digging the hole took zero energy. And once that hole was covered back up, he was done with it. He walked away from it. And there's a reason that when his master came back, nothing had been done with it. He didn't have a plan. He didn't care. He didn't try. He didn't put forth a lot of effort. And for, unfortunately, that's a lot of us. One of the... Uh, to kind of paraphrase John MacArthur writing about this, he said it is not that he mismanaged his talent. He didn't go and blow it like the prodigal son did. He didn't embezzle it and run away. He didn't make selfish or even sinful decisions losing it. He simply disregarded the stewardship that he had been given. It's easy to, with, with finances especially to let a lot of stress in and and be very stressed about it and have a lot of issues around it. And we we don't even have to do something bad with it. We don't have to just go and blow it all to get to that point. In fact, it's kind of easy just to not watch it and not do much with it, not really pay attention to it, and still have all the kind of worry that comes along with it. The last thing is the accountability with it. Verse 19, the master comes home. How many of y'all, if you're just going to be honest, would say, and, and, and we can, this is a, a safe place, we can do this. How many of you ever say you made, you made a purchase and, and maybe your spouse didn't know about it and then you had to do that whole thing where you tell them about it? It's like there's an app. You can just scroll down through there and see. Anybody going to be honest other than me? Thank you class participation yeah there are times that we that that happens and and so we've all kind of been there and we've we've had to go to them and and let them know hey so let me tell you Abby's big thing and I, I love her to death but her big thing is to let me know how big the sale was but being it was it was it was 50% off Well, that means it's still 50% of however much it cost in the first place but that's besides the point it's we, we, we do that, and, and sometimes we don't have a lot of accountability that, that comes into play. Having a plan and working that plan naturally provides accountability because what happened here, the master comes home to see, what have you done with what I gave you? The first two guys are able to walk in front of their master and say, oh, look at what I did. This is what you provided for me, and this is what I was able to give in return. I took advantage of the opportunity that you had given me. But the third guy, the third guy had to, to look out and, at his master. By the way, I, isn't it terrible that he had to go last? he had to go after the two guys that just doubled his master's money and go, hey, guess what? I knew you to be a hard man. This is something that got me. I'm just going to be honest with you. He said, I knew you to be a hard man. The kind of man that would reap from where he didn't plant anything. The kind of man that would would take from where he didn't sow the kind of man who basically what he was saying is I knew you to be the kind of man that would go and just take what might not even belong to you that's kind of the view I had and then and then it says this the master's reply was you knew to be me to be a hard man you knew me to be a guy who reaped where he did not sow, who gathered where he didn't scatter any seed. And then he says, you should at least put the money in the bank and let it have interest. Now, when, for years, I don't know when this really kind of struck me or why it didn't early on, but for the longest time, I read that. And when, whenever the master replies with the description of what he first says, so you knew me to be this kind of guy, I always read it with a period. There's a question mark at the end there. He wasn't making a statement or affirming the man. He, he was, What he was doing was saying, so you see me as a hard man, a man with a hard heart cold? You mean you knew me to be the kind of guy who just goes and takes what isn't mine? What he's really saying is, if that was true, then you would have put the money in the bank and at least let me get interest. Y'all, he was calling him on it. What he was saying is, if this is how you viewed me, the last thing you would have done is dug a hole and put it in the ground. You're making excuses because what you're saying, how you viewed me and your actions for that don't line up. You just got caught and you don't like it. So you started making excuses. Look at what this servant did. He began to point the finger, point the blame back at his master, basically saying, if you weren't such a mean guy, then I probably would have done something more with it. But you've given me this. I knew you to be a cold-hearted man. And so to not risk losing it, I just dug a hole and buried it. And the master's going, no, 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 no. Because if that's what you really thought about me, you would have at least done something so that I would have gotten something back in return. That third servant pointed the fingers at somebody else, placed the blame on somebody else. Ultimately, cutting down this man who had given him an incredible opportunity, attacked the character of the master all to try to take the blame and justify his poor decision. Does that sound familiar to any of your conversations about money? Because it did me. How many times have we sat down to, to talk about what's coming up and me start pointing the finger at my wife? Well, yeah, I I bought this, but you got this, and if you wouldn't have done that over there, then maybe I wouldn't have done this. It, It doesn't work. It left him in a bad place at the end of this conversation. It left him in a bad place when his response was nothing more than pointing the finger, placing the blame, making excuses, all to justify his bad decision. There have been plenty of times that Abby and I have not exactly had wonderful conversations about money. But some of the, the things that we've done most that have removed any stress look a lot like those little stack of papers sitting down and actually talking about it. And when I mean talking about it, I don't mean yelling about it. And I don't mean like once every two months. That was a mistake that I made early on in our marriage. Money was a, probably the main source of the stress that was in our marriage. And our conversations about money looked about like this. About once every three or four weeks, Ben would be sitting over there on the couch watching TV with a bag of chips in his lap. And he would go, I wonder what's in the bank account. He'd pull up his app, uh, that's me, scroll him. And then while Abby's actually doing something like productive for the world, she hears my voice from the room over or across the house go, what'd you spend $17.83 on down at the Kroger? I start questioning her grocery bill. That was my introductory statement, y'all. You think I'm kidding. I'm not. That's not even a good opening line if you have a quality uh, communication about money in your home. That, that was my opening line, and I might have talked about it like once a month. It was just me throwing out questions. Now, Abby, what? And, and, she, and so you know what that does? She hears exactly what came out of my mouth. What are you doing spending $17 at the Kroger? You know what that makes her do? Put a wall up. You know what that makes your spouse do? Put a wall up. And immediately begin to, this, this, the feeling of, now I've got to justify why I did what I did, which would sometimes be something along the lines of, well, you got to eat. <laughs> okay, good reason. Like, I, I don't have a rebuttal on that one. But I can't fight you off on that one. That was the kind of conversations, that was the amount of effort and attention that our marriage had with with money for a little while. And that was never going to end well. The first time we ever had a semi-decent conversation about the finances of our home was a time when it was planned for about three or four days later. You want to have that first conversation because some of y'all are laughing and some of y'all are not all because you resonated with that story because that's you and and that's okay the thing is let's let's try to figure out how to move past that you want to have a the the maybe for the first time a quality conversation about money in your home don't do it today actually say this hey when we get home can we check our calendars at some point and see what day might be good Because if I try to get Abby to come in and and have some of these kind of conversations after she's had a 15-hour day, you think that's going to work well? No. Pick a time. Say, this Thursday looks like a good evening for us. Okay, we're going to order in pizza, and we're just going to sit down, and we can talk about it. We're not going to attack each other. We're actually going to sit down and say, what have we got going on? We're going to get a stack of papers together and we're going to make a plan. Now, when we look at this story, of course, the story itself is about money. It's about how three men were given money and and put in charge and responsible with managing it. Y'all, this goes so much deeper. I told you earlier, it's a, it's, the, the parable itself is a story where there's a much deeper spiritual significance. Whenever we start viewing what we get, put money aside now. The jobs that we have, the friends that we get to have, the, the relationships that we can build, the joys and lives, the hobbies, all the things that God has blessed us with and we begin to view, point ourselves back to this whole concept of actually viewing all that we have as a blessing from from God, we realize there's a lot more than just money that we are blessed with. And here's much more important than just, just money. There's something far more important than that. Because... God blesses us with all sorts of things, and the Bible tells us that there 's going to be a day that we have to answer for those things and My fear is if just just as if a lot of us, either right now or at some point in your life, had to actually be honest and, and and point back to say this is sort of how we are. We're dysfunctional with it. We don't have a healthy relationship around it. We don't manage it really well. Y'all understand the forgiveness that we have through Christ, the grace that we have received, the mercy that we get when that's last, the last thing we did. God loved me when I was the most unlovable person in the entire world. God's given me a testimony. God's given me a story God's given me the gospel. God has looked at us and said, I'm going to go away for a while because I'm going to prepare a place for you. And while you're here, I'm going to leave you in charge with some things like evangelism and discipleship and living a missionary style and kind of life. He's given us salvation through Jesus. It breaks my heart to think, and this I'm pointing my finger at me, at me too right now, it breaks my heart to think that there could be a day that I could stand before God and say, you gave me the gospel. You gave me a workplace full of people who were lost. You gave me uh, family members who I could speak into. God, you gave me forgiveness. You gave me grace. You gave me love when nobody else could love me. And let me tell you what I did with it. I went in my backyard, found a shovel, and dug a hole and buried it. Because sometimes that's how we use and manage and oversee all that God has blessed us with. And so that's my challenge for all of us today. We specifically talked about money in this passage and in in most of our time today and how there's some things that you can do by just changing your perspective towards it, how you view it, what you think about it, where it came from, and then, then how you handle it once you get it. But y'all, it's so much bigger than that. Because we've got to change our perspective. We've got to understand all that we have because of the Lord's goodness and grace and mercy on our lives. And we have to understand that there will be a day where we stand before our master and we give an account for it all of it, not just the parts that we do good, when he says, this is what I've entrusted with you. This is what I gave you the opportunity to oversee while I was away. Are we going to be like the first two, the first two guys that heard, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with little and so I'll put you over much. Come and enjoy the joys of your master. Let's pray together. God, I thank you today for the time that we've gotten to spend together, the the time that we've gotten to open your word, to study it, to look at it, to see God, what we can learn from it. And God, your word is clear. All that we have is a blessing from you. We've just been granted the opportunity to oversee it. And so God, the question today is, what are we going to do with it? Are we going to go home And plan a time to have what might have always been a difficult conversation. But because it's a blessing from you, we don't care that it might have been difficult at times. We push through and we power through because we say it's a blessing from God. We've got to work through our differences and we've got to push forward in how we manage it. Because we're not just managing our money, we're managing God's resources. Are we gonna lay ourselves aside? Are we going to remove the the power trip that we're on to say that we've gotta do better? Are we gonna look at each other and maybe for the first time in a while say, Let's talk about this but as we talk, can we first forgive? Are we willing to put the time and energy and effort into the resource of money that you've given us so that one day trust can be rebuilt and a team can be birthed out of this? God, are we also going to understand just all that you've given to us? And is there going to be a day that we have to stand before you And let you know God, I took everything you gave me, which was a lot. And I thought so much of it that I dug a hole and I buried it for no one else to find. Well, we're gonna say we did everything we could with everything that we've been given. God, we love you. We're thankful that you bless us in ways that we can't imagine and certainly do not deserve. And I pray that we'll be good stewards of it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Jesus had the center of it all.